We are in the book of Colossians, chapter 1. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, chapter 1. It's so much easier if you've got the Bible app, right? Just go to Colossians you know, and click it, and it'll open up for you. But we're going to talk today about a quality control purpose statement for believers. In the last, I don't know, a couple of decades or so, business and industry has become very concerned with the quality of products and services. Uh, it, it seemed to have been coincidental, and I'm not sure this is true, but it seems to have been coincidental with American-made goods losing market share because the quality, perceived or not, was supposedly inferior to products made other places. And when that perception started affecting bottom-line sales and profits, companies said, maybe we need to do something about our quality. And so it started with quality control, and then it was quality assurance, and then it was total quality control, and, and then it got into the service industries, and it was performance improvement. And you know, now, it doesn't matter what you do, you're going to get a survey. You go make a purchase at a store, you're going to get a survey. How did we do? You take your car to the shop, you're going to get a survey. How did we do? If you, we went to a, a new restaurant the other day and um, got an email from them by the time we got home. Thanks for eating with us today. Please take the time to fill out this little survey on how we did. Everybody wants to know how we're doing. And, and I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but they also tell you how to score them. You know, because it's like, now if we did good, please give us tens. You know, and um, since I do that at one of the places I work, I understand why that is because everybody's going to the same place. Everybody's being evaluated the same way. And, you know, you may think, well, they did about a B, so I'm going to give them like an eight. Well, their manager says eight's a failing score. And, and so they, that's why they say, would you please give us a nine or a 10 or please give us a five if it's on a scale to five because their corporate is looking at them and saying, only top bucks box counts. Only the top one counts. Only nines or tens count as good. Everything else is bad. There's, we can't allow you to be average. You know, you've got to be superb. But everybody's all into quality. Or, well, everybody's all into quality surveys. I don't know if everybody's still into quality or not. But as I was thinking about that and reading this paragraph we're going to look at today in Colossians 1, it hit me that as a church and as individual believers, we ought to be concerned about the quality of our spiritual lives. Have you ever given yourself a quality check on how your faith is doing, how your love is doing, you know, how your service to others, how your worship is doing, or is just good enough good enough? And, and, and I pray that as we look at this paragraph of Scripture today, God will challenge us and help educate us into how we can live a life of spiritual quality in our world. And it begins in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. Now Paul has been talking about what he's heard about the church at Colossae. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you 
And as I was reading over this again this morning, I thought, you know, if you don't know how to pray for your kids, here's a prayer to pray. If you don't know how to pray for your spouse, here's a prayer to pray. If you don't know how to pray for your friends or your pastor, here's a prayer to pray. This is an incredible prayer to pray. He said, I have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully give thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. What a great prayer. And you'll notice how Paul says, I pray this so that you can do this, so that you can do this, so that you can do this. And in verse 10, I believe we have a quality control purpose statement for believers. And that is this. To live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. Wow. I know it's, what month is it? March? But it's not too late for that to be your resolution for the rest of 2021. With God's help, I will live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. That ought to be every believer's goal, shouldn't it? It ought to be every church's goal. This is why we're here, to live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. That's a lofty statement. How do we get there? Well, he tells us. It's a great thing about Paul. He'll tell you. First, I've not stopped praying and asking God first that you would know God's will. I ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. The way you begin to please God in every way is to know his will. If you've heard me preach very long, you know that I believe God has a plan for you. God has a will for you. And he reveals that will, Paul tells us, through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's how you gain the will of God. That's how you learn God's will, through spiritual wisdom and understanding. And if you were here 2016, 17, and 18, immediately your mind is going to the book of Proverbs because we spent, what, two and a half years going through the book of Proverbs and over and over and over we studied wisdom and understanding and knowledge. Those are key words in the book of Proverbs. And you maybe, if you have a good memory, uh, already filled in the rest of the blanks that wisdom is seeing life from God's point of view. And understanding is the ability to apply that wisdom 
in practical ways. So Paul says, I want you to know God's will through wisdom. First of all, he said, I want you to see life from God's perspective, from God's point of view. And then I want you to have the understanding to be able to apply God's wisdom in the practical, day-to-day situation of life. And the key passage on that from the book of Proverbs was chapter 2, the first 10 or 11 verses of Proverbs chapter 2. And I'm going to take maybe three minutes to to cover these verses, but if you're interested in, in reviewing this in more detail... It's on the archives. I checked. If you're if you're watching us on YouTube, you can go to Open Door Community Augusta and find our page and go to videos. Scroll all the way down to June the 7th, 2016. And I preached a message, How to Understand the Fear of the Lord. And it's based on this passage of Scripture from Proverbs chapter 2. I put it in your notes. If you downloaded the notes, they're there with you. My son... If you will accept my words, that's where it starts. It starts with the word of God. The the way you gain the knowledge and wisdom and understanding is accept his words. And store up my commandments within you. That has to do with scripture memory, but it also has to do with, with the, the word is almost hoarding the scripture. In other words, don't think, well, I've got an easy week this week, so I don't need to read the word. No, you need to store it up. Because there's going to be times when you need it. And you need to memorize it if you can. Now, I'm not talking about word-for-word memory. You know, when, when Donna and I were in, in Bible school, you know, you would have memory and, and boy, it was word-for-word. Word. And I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about being acquainted enough with the Scripture that you're familiar with what it says. And then he says, turn your ear to wisdom. That's listening. Attentive listening. As you read the scripture, how many times have we read a passage of scripture and closed the Bible, and if somebody had asked us 15 seconds later, what did you read? It's like, uh, I don't know, because <laughs> I really wasn't paying attention, right? Um, I heard uh, a preacher say one time, you say, how, how much of the Bible should I read? Well, you just read until you get something you can hang on to. And he said, some days that might be a verse. You know, some days it may be a few chapters. But read until there's something that resonates with you for your day. And then he says, apply your heart to understanding. And that word, that phrase, apply your heart, has with it the idea of obedient application. It's not just enough to read the word. We must do what it says, applying the word to our lives. And then he says, pray. Persistent prayer. Call out for insight. Cry aloud for understanding. Uh, I mentioned a few weeks ago when we were talking about reading the Bible and praying that, you know, they kind of interwine with each other. You know, you, you read a while and say, oh God, man, I need help in that area. You know, please help me in that area. And you read on further, say, oh God, please, you got to help me with that. And, and that's effective prayer and devotional life. Persistent praying and diligent study. Look for it as silver. Search for it as hidden treasure. Then he said, you'll understand the fear of the Lord. You'll find the knowledge of God, for the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And so what the proverb writer Solomon tells us is how to do what Paul told us to do. Know God's will through wisdom and understanding. 
you get that through the study of the Word and applying and obeying what you've read. Now, before I move on from the will of God, I, I want to spend a couple minutes and talk to you about God's general will and his specific will. Usually when people ask me, how do I know the will of God? What they mean is, how do I know whether God wants me to take this new job and relocate or not? Or how do I know if the Lord is telling me it's time to sell the house and get something different? Or, you know, how do I know God's will in this specific situation? And I believe God does have a will for specific situations. I, you know, not everybody believes that. I personally believe that I make better decisions if I ask God, which of these cars should I get? Which of these houses should we buy? And you know our story about that. I, I just believe that God has a will for these things, and we ought to pray about those decisions, which college we should go to. You know, Donna did not pray about which college she should attend. And as a result of that, she ended up with me because that's where we met. You know, it, you know so it's important to pray about where you ought to go to school. You know, those, you know what I'm saying? God cares about the specifics of our life. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct your paths. But while you're waiting on God's direction for his specific will, don't miss his general will. God has a will for how his people live. If you're a parent, the word reveals how he wants you to live. That's his will for you. If you're a spouse, God tells you how to relate to your spouse. If you're a child, God tells you how to relate to your parents. If you're a parent, God tells you how to relate to your children. If you're a boss, God tells you how to relate to your employees. If you're an employee, God tells you how to relate to your boss. In other words, God has revealed to us through his word his general will for all of his children. And sometimes we skip doing that because we're too worried about his specific will, about a specific situation. And my counsel is consistently, you do what you already know to do, and God will show you the next step when it's time to show you the next step. Keep doing what you know you're supposed to be doing. You know, love one another. Be kind to one another, forgive one another, encourage one another, pray for one another. All those things that God says, this is my will for you. Praise God in everything. This is the will of God concerning you. You keep doing that, and God will, at the right time, I believe, show you his specific will. So, to live a life worthy of the Lord and to please him in every way, first, we must know God's will. Second... Our lives will please him in every way. Now, I realize that that is the statement, and technically it shouldn't be the statement and how we're going to do the statement, but that's how the outline came together for me because he says, I pray this so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. How do you do that? Well, he expands on that. You may please him in every way. Then there's a colon. Here's how you please him in every way. First, bearing fruit in every good work. We talked about this, I think, last week. When you study fruit throughout the New Testament, it means two things. It means primarily, I believe, the fruit of the Spirit, becoming like Christ. 
abide in me, you know, abide in the vine and let me abide in you and you'll bear fruit. You know, the, the branch bears the fruit of the vine that it's connected to. If we are connected to Christ, the fruit we bear will be Christ-likeness, which I believe you can sum up in the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. As you are connected to Christ, you will bear fruit in those ways because that's who he is. And as a result of your life, people then will be brought closer to Christ. So first he says you please God by bearing fruit in every good work. How you doing bearing fruit? How's your love? How's your joy? How's your peace? How's your patience? How's your kind? You know, how are you doing bearing fruit? What's the quality of the fruitfulness of your life? The second way you please him in every way, he said, grow in the knowledge of God. 2 Peter 3.18, Peter says, grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know how long you've been a Christian, how many Bible studies you've been in, how many years you've attended church. You don't know everything there is to know about God. You know, There's still room to grow in the knowledge of God. Have you learned some things over the last year about God? <laughs> I'm sure you have. And we need to be continuing to grow in the knowledge of God. Jeremiah 29, 13, God says, you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. And again, his knowledge is found in his word and prayer and fellowship and worship. Grow in the knowledge of God. Your knowledge of him should be deeper than it was a year ago. You should know him on a more personal level than you did a year ago. Bear fruit, grow in the knowledge, and then be strengthened with all power. Now that, that kind of takes a little twist here. Our lives please God when we are strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, his perfect strength. In a couple of weeks, it'll be Easter. And I would imagine knowing me and Easter Sunday at some point in the service, I'll be talking about Paul's prayer that you would experience for yourself the power that raised Christ from the dead. God's resurrection power is available to us to strengthen us with all power according to his glorious might. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. I can do all things through Christ who keeps on pouring his power into me. Now, we can understand how bearing fruit pleases God. We can understand how growing in the knowledge of God pleases God. But we might need to think for a minute about when we are strengthened to do his work, that glorifies him too. That pleases him. I, I gave you a quote a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about prayer of the person who said, any day that you go without prayer is a day that you're telling God you don't need him. And that's kind of harsh, but it's pretty true, right? And the thing that we need to understand is that God wants us to ask him for his power. I, I was reading um, 
Lloyd-John Ogilvie's book on Colossians, and in it he talks about when he began to understand this principle. And he said somebody challenged him with, are you doing anything in your life that you really need God for? Or are you just doing what you can do? And he said, when that hit me, and I studied this, God wants to strengthen me with his power so that I can do what only he can do through me. He said, it began the adventure of my Christian life. Live your life pleasing God by bearing fruit, by growing in the knowledge of God, and by allowing him to strengthen you with his power. You never irritate God when you ask him for his strength. You never frustrate God when you say, Lord, I can't do this by myself. I've got to have you. What frustrates him is when we live like we can live without him. And he wants to say to us, call on me. I will answer you. So we're building this quality control statement. Know God's will. Live your lives to please God so that we may have great endurance and patience. Oh, he had to go there, didn't he? But the, he, he's building. I need you, he says, to be strengthened with God's power so that you can have great endurance and patience. We've needed some of that the last 13 months or so, haven't we? Endurance and patience. The message paraphrase puts it this way. We pray that you'll have the strength to stick it out over the long haul. Not the grim strength of gritting your teeth, but the glory strength God gives. The strength that endures the unendurable. I wondered what the difference was between endurance and patience. They're very similar words, but when you dig into them, the one translated endurance means to persevere and be steadfast and have a constancy to your life. And it tends to have an element of when people are hostile. In other words, when, when you're dealing with people that are trying to mess you up and if you've lived very long, you've run into some of those. He says, I pray that you'll have great endurance, that you'll be able to persevere, that you'll be able to be steadfast, that you'll keep on doing the job. The word patience has to do with not being swerved from your purpose. In other words, don't let people and don't let circumstances cause you to lose sight of why you're here. And why are you here? to live a life worthy of God, and to please him in every way. Patience, endurance. It starts and ends with knowing the will of God through wisdom and understanding so that we are pleasing God, so that we will have endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father. Isn't it interesting how many times in the New Testament endurance and patience and joy are mentioned in the same sentence? You know, there, there, are, there are people uh, who are patient and who are enduring things, but they ain't no joy. What God wants us to do is to endure with joy, to be patient 
with joy, which is why he just said, I want you to be strengthened with his power. Because in our humanity, it's hard, if not impossible, to be joyous when we're in the middle of things that are calling for all of our great endurance and patience. We need God's strength so that we can have endurance and patience and joyfully give thanks. Again, the message. I want this strength that endures the unendurable and spills over into joy. Thanking the Father who makes us strong enough to take part in everything bright and beautiful he has for us. If you have trouble with your joy, if you have trouble giving thanks in the midst of the challenges of life, Paul gives us two things to remember to build our joy. First, he says, remember your redemption. I love this, that, that verse 12. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and he has brought us to the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. If you're in the middle of a situation where you're needing great endurance and patience, please remember that you're a child of God. Remember your redemption. Remember that Christ died and rose from the dead so that we can be forgiven of our sins. Christians ought to be the most joyful people around because we know that our sins are forgiven and we know we're ready for heaven. He says, if you have trouble giving thanks, remember your redemption. And second, look forward to your inheritance. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about hope and how hope is based in heaven, that hope that is laid up for us in heaven. Paul says, remember to give thanks joyously to the Father. He has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. And you remember the verse, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, it's not entered into the heart of men, what God has prepared for those who love him. And if you will keep your focus on your redemption and your inheritance, there will be joy, there will be giving of thanks, and we will live a life pleasing to God. So if God sent you an email... This afternoon, said, how are you doing? Here's my quality test for you. you know, score yourself. Here's a quality control purpose statement for believers. To live a life worthy of the Lord and to please him in every way. I will know God's will so that my life will please him by bearing fruit and growing in my knowledge, and being strengthened with his power, so that I will have endurance and patience and will joyfully give thanks. Sounds easy, doesn't it? <laughs> it is not. But if we will just saturate ourselves with this prayer, I believe God will help us to live a life worthy of him, and to please him in every way. 
Aren't you living to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant? He breaks down in this paragraph how we can hear those words. And I want to say to you again what I said to you uh, earlier this morning. What a great prayer to pray for other people. As you pray for your family, as you pray for your friends. So Lord, today I pray for Sue, whatever, who you're praying for. That they will know the knowledge of your will. That they will have wisdom and understanding. I mean, what a, what a tremendous prayer to pray for people. Feel free to pray it for me. Because uh, I need joy and endurance and patience. And you do too, right? So let's pray this for one another. And let our lives be lived with spiritual quality that gives thanks to God, that lives a life worthy of him, so that when he says, those are my children, he doesn't have to be embarrassed. I, I heard a guy say, when he was growing up, every time he walked out the door, his dad said, just remember you're a, and then whatever their last name was. And what he was saying was, you carry our family's reputation, live that way. I think every once in a while God's saying, hey, you're going to use my name, please, you know, live the way that will please me and bring glory to me and please me in every way. Father, that's our goal. We, we want to please you. We want to live a life worthy of you. And thank you that you inspired Paul to kind of break it down for us on how we can do that. And as we study these words and phrases that he uses, it's pretty simple to realize that it all starts with saturating ourselves with the Word of God and then living in obedience to that. As we do that, we gain the wisdom we need. We gain the understanding we need. And then our lives please you and, and we grow in your knowledge and we experience your power so that we can endure the challenges of life and can, in the middle of the endurance, give you thanks because you have forgiven us, you have redeemed us, and there is an inheritance waiting for us. So help us, Lord, in the midst of a world pulling us in a thousand different directions. Help us to keep our focus on pleasing you. And as we lay our head on our pillows at night or when we're finished with our day, we'll be able to reflect, did my life please God today? If he were giving me a quality score, how would I have done today? And may our lives bring honor and glory to you, I pray, for you are worthy of it all. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and give you his peace now and evermore. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being with us today. You're dismissed.